This is the Yesu Communitas Podcast, a show devoted to Hmong American identity, theology, and mission. Thanks for joining this episode. Be sure to like today's show and subscribe to Yesu Communitas on iTunes. And now your hosts, Daniel, Myla, and George. Welcome back to the Yesu Communitas Podcast. Um, you guys can't tell, but we're actually on campus at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, probably the best seminary in the world. What do you think, George? <laughs> yeah, I'm a little, a little biased. <laughs> a little biased. But I yeah. would say yes. <laughs> so we're actually in the the hall that George is a residence director for. So tell us about where are we at, George. Tell us about it. Yeah. So currently we are in Carlson Classroom. Carlson Classroom, uh, which is connected to my apartment. So I live in this awkward building that uh, serves a number of different purposes, but. Um, yeah, Carlson. you're living pretty large. You have a, a commercial toilet. Yes, has a, <laughs> I noticed that a five gallon flush. I do not have to worry about anything clogging. <laughs> um, the only thing is sometimes my hot water goes out, and yeah. for long periods of time. But yeah, we're doing well. Uh, Carlson Classroom's a, a great place to meet. Uh, whenever they leave it open for me, I bring my PS4 out and use a projector and nice get some Fortnite going. But Milo, have you been here before? Have you been uh, on campus? No, this is my first time. This is my first time. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, that's why I was like, oh, it's pretty small. Not yeah. as great as Wheaton, but... <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not as well endowed, yeah. but you know what? Great Our things, professors. I'm yes. like, that's great things why come it's more small. expensive to go to Wheaton. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I'm really excited about today's episode because we're going to talk about uh, Hmong women uh, in ministry and in leadership, and I think that's a, a really important topic, um, especially as we see more sisters uh, interested in theological education and uh, ministry in general. So, But before we do that, I want to start off our conversation with a question. I want to ask uh, each one of us, um, I want you to name a Hmong woman other than your mom, okay? Uh, but I can name my sister, who mm-hmm. happens to be Milo's mom. Uh, <laughs> name a Hmong woman that you respect and why. So, who wants to start? I'll go first. All right. Uh, I'm going to say my wife. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Boom. You learned from last time. Good <laughs> yes. job, George. So, my, my wife, um, you know, I think not only does she have to put up with me, uh, she uh, is definitely, you know, what you think of when you think of a strong, independent, like, Hmong woman mm-hmm. um, who can keep her household in check and who is is willing and uh, desiring to, to follow the Lord's will, both for her and for us as a family. And so um, definitely respect the way that she's been willing to take up different opportunities. That sounds scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, but listening to the Lord in those steps and uh, really living by faith. So yeah, what's yeah. your wife's name again? My wife's name is Cheyenne. Cheyenne, and it's not spelled like the city Cheyenne. No, it's, it's spelled S H Y A N. So cool. You very need, phonetically. You need to give her some babies. Yeah, she's ready. You know what? Uh, to our listeners, you know, if you want to fast and pray along with us, <laughs> I've got baby fever. So oh, wow. okay, <laughs> okay. What about you, Myla? <laughs> Um, well, if I can't say my mom, <laughs> I'll say your wife. <laughs> ah, there so you go. we'll we'll kind of roll reversal. My aunt Linda, I think she's incredible, um, and she's definitely somebody I would call my spiritual mentor. I don't know. She's just somebody who she loves God, and she makes it look so easy. You mm. know, she's like not intense. She's not like super into all the 
theology and intellectual discussions. She's just like, God is good. I have faith and let's go, you know, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that. I think because my mind works the other way, when I see how simple faith is to her, I'm like, all right, yeah, let's go. And a mm. big reason why I'm in at Wheaton is she's like, why don't you just go? And I'm like, mm. all right. And then I ended up here. So I definitely yeah. look up to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she definitely has the gift of faith. And mm-hmm. I think that really kind of is attractive to people. So at first they're kind of like, why is she so excited? <laughs> but yeah, oh, she's she's got tremendous faith. Yeah. So I would say my wife too, but I don't want to cheat. But I'd, on the record though, <laughs> she would be my number one. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I mentioned my, uh, Miley's mom, um, uh, uh, Ia, uh, my sister, and, uh, she, she's a, uh, a, a person that, um, Linda and I have over the years always trusted her advice. And, uh, to a certain degree, I think she has always, um, kind of signed off on every next stage of our life. And it mm-hmm. felt like that was just kind of like, oh, okay, we needed, you know, not so much her blessing, but really just the confirmation. And uh, she would always have a scripture for us. She would always, every time we were going to move somewhere, start a new ministry, uh, she was right there praying, giving us a scripture. So that was really uh, big for us. And so I, I would say that that is um, uh, my person. And probably, you know, uh, bigger than that, you know, other than our personal relationship with her, just her ministry that she has. Uh, she happens to be a physician, but outside of that, uh, and in addition to that, she uses her, uh, her, her work to just do ministry. And it's so, it's become so natural for her to pray for people, uh, pray for healing in the midst of a, you know, uh, an appointment. And so God's given her the gift of medicine, but also uh, a spiritual gift of healing. So that's, that's really cool. She integrates vocation ministry. Uh, she leads medical missions trips. So just really, uh, really inspired by her. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So awesome. Well, I want to uh, lead us in our conversation today uh, about women in ministry and leadership. And, you know, how about this? What if, uh, what if a sister came to you guys, a, a Hmong sister, okay? Um, hmm. And she felt like God was calling her into some kind of ministry and she came to you and she was trying to discern that. How would you advise her? What would be your approach to helping her discern that and then also, you know, encourage her uh, towards ministry? Um, I would be like, is this me asking myself? <laughs> I think the cool thing about doing this episode is I feel very much so like that girl asking oh. you guys the questions. Um, and I think maybe what I would say, one, letting her know you're not, you're not alone in this. I think sometimes mm-hmm. even being in that seat when I meet another woman who's like passionate about ministry and has no idea how to navigate that, it makes me feel tremendously better to at least know I'm not navigating that space alone, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. so, and then I think I also would just say to her, um, to really press into, what you feel that calling is and to understand it for yourself because I think if you don't know for sure and you feel like maybe like I'm called to this um when people critique women in ministry in whatever way that looks like it's easy to feel disappointed or Mm -hmm, offended mm -hmm, if mm -hmm. you don't know the call for yourself so I think I would just tell her press in keep pressing in let that burn um until you can't sit still anymore you Mm -hmm, know so mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm. yeah what about you George yeah, and I think, you know, um, for our listeners, you know, uh, I think there are a lot of women who who are seeking out ministry. 
um, and and not to not to get it mixed up with just like desiring to be in like a pastoral role or you know the ability and opportunity to preach, uh, but more so than that, just the opportunity to serve you know the Lord that they they follow, the Lord that they've um, given their life to, um, and and being able to listen to that calling of okay, what can I do with my gifts, and so. Um, you know, I think for a lot of our, our Hmong sisters, um, it's very easy for us to uh, figure out. Um, sorry, the AC just kicked on. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> so, we keep rolling. We keep rolling. Yeah, so it's very easy for us to uh, tell our sisters that they're fit for certain roles and certain roles only. Yeah. Um, but I would say. Uh, you know, lean into the giftings that you you have that have been affirmed in you. Um, you know, and and figure out what it is in the church that you can be doing to edify the body. Yeah. Because um, I think Paul, you know, clearly instructs us that you know if your if your gift is to teach, then to teach. If your gift is to encourage, then encourage. Mm-hmm. If your gift is to prophesy, then prophesy. All for the you know the edification of the body. Mm-hmm. Um, all for the benefit of the body, and so. Um, wanting to encourage our sisters to to really lean into what it means to uh, receive those gifts and then use those gifts. Um, yeah, I think that would be most important when when being asked. Okay. Yeah. You know what can I do in the church? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's great encouragement. Mylon, let me ask you a three part question. All right, so listen clearly <laughs> closely. Okay, so first part of the question is. Um, uh, when you were growing up in the church, you and I, you know, we grew up in the same church. Uh, what were the roles typically that you saw women have in the church? And then secondly, um, have you experienced times where you were discouraged because you felt restricted uh, because specifically of your gender? And then thirdly, um, the opposite of that, when have you felt like uh, propelled and, and, and like, you know, um, uh, encouraged to, to, to grow in your gifts? So did you get those three mm-hmm. questions? I think so. Okay. <laughs> um, so one, growing up in the church, I mean, I think you see in the Hmong church the Neje. So you have your, uh, this is my Hmong, the Neje. That's pretty good. You have that. You The children's church leaders um, mm-hmm. or coordinators, um, the woman in the kitchen, and the person who makes the coffee. I think that's generally the four roles that Do I Do you saw. know what those roles are called? <laughs> No, what is there? Is there an actual word? Ninjinu. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. So I think generally that's kind of what I saw, um, and I mean I think to an extent it was discouraging. In some ways, I think just because when I think about the ways that I'm bent, mm. um, and as I was saying before, pressing into or what George was saying before, what people have affirmed your your calling or your giftings are at. A lot of my giftings, I guess, quote unquote, are in the more masculine roles, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, mm-hmm. I cannot cook <laughs> to save my life, and so I don't know how to be a a ginyu. <laughs> oh, really? Or even say it? <laughs> or even say? How can you, you be know? something you can't say? <laughs> so yeah, in in that way, it's like all right, I'm collecting the words and the things that people have affirmed and called, um, but there's no opportunity for that so do I just kind of try to like bend myself the other way so Mm -hmm. that I can at least serve and feel like I can you know and so 
in that way, it's discouraging. I think there has been a shift, um, I think, in the Hmong church, um, at least where I've been at. the. So the church I grew up in um, has a sister church or a daughter church where it's kind of like a second-gen church. Um, and I think I felt really encouraged in my giftings there mm-hmm. where um, they felt kind of a little bit more liberty to let me practice some of the giftings that I had a pastor who really believed that you know if you have a gifting like exercise it you know we'll Mm. find spaces where it's okay for you to exercise and you feel safe in it and so um, I think I've seen that change over the progression of uh, you know 10-15 years so yeah that's great so I I gotta ask this question and not not to be provocative but because we're here at Trinity uh, and almost arguably you know, Wayne Gruden was here, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, he and John Piper wrote um, um, the book called uh, Biblical Womanhood or Manhood. Um, I forget what it's called. But anyways, Wayne Gruden was here at Trinity, uh, and I, I think he wrote that during his time, his tenure here at Trinity. Um, so let's talk about real quick just kind of the range of uh, how we view women leadership or actually leadership. And because I, I, I think... It doesn't. I don't think women, regardless of your tradition that you grew up in, whether you're complementarian or egalitarian, I don't think women should feel limited necessarily as to how they can function in their gifts. So, George, you're you're a Trinity scholar here. Mm-hmm. Give us give us kind of the, the two different like uh, views. You know, what's complementarian, egalitarian from from your understanding? Yeah. Um, so, from my understanding, um, personally, I I don't like to have conversations within those boxes because a lot of times you feel like if you're in one box or the other, then you're stuck in that box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but if we think about these uh, topics or these categories as spectrums mm. um, and scales that, that you can you know move across, um, complementarians uh, would agree that there are specific roles Um, that men and women play both in the household and within the church. And so those roles are dictated um, through the way that you interpret certain scriptures uh, that have been given to us by the apostles um, and and through church history. Um, And so complementarians would um, tend to to fall in the categories of um, not allowing women to be pastors, not allowing women to... Uh, preach uh, in the church unless it's uh, towards um, typically what we find is uh, other women, mm-hmm. younger women, mm-hmm. or children, um, and and even youth. Yeah. Um, and so, um, but a lot of those scriptural passages uh, would uh, discourage women from uh, desiring to preach uh, in a situation where they're speaking over men mm-hmm. um, or making decisions uh, that pastors would make um, in shepherding a congregation. And so um, on the other hand, you have egalitarians who, who feel like um, there's less of uh, there's there's less discrimination or differentiation between uh, the roles within within church setting within ministry situations Um and and possibly even in in uh, marriages mm-hmm. and family households, and so the ability to say um, that that men and women are made equal and that they have equal roles within a relationship within a marriage to make decisions for the family or uh, within the church context, being able to um, have women serve in as pastors um, mm-hmm. and and be able to preach um, if their gifting is, is is in that, and so. 
um, yeah, those are kind of the two uh, areas that um, most people will tend to have this conversation in. Yeah. Um, but, you know, between those two, I would say you can range, you know, far left, far right, and very close in the middle. Yeah. Um, I think the last time we had this conversation, Daniel called me a light-handed complementarian. <laughs> um, <laughs> a so, lightweight complementarian. Yes. <laughs> so, soft and, complimentarian. Yeah. yeah, soft. And so... Yeah, you know, and I'm I'm still trying to figure out all those pieces for myself and yeah. what that looks like both in, you know, my household and and within, you know, ministry, um, where I serve, the denominations that I serve, because denominationally, you know, you can um, be ordained as a woman pastor in the Presbyterian Church, mm-hmm. um, and in the ECC, and you know, in a number of different um, denominations, but. You have other denominations like Southern Baptists or um, the CMA, um, mm-hmm. where it's still very complementarian. And uh, you know, as we yeah. continue to have these conversations, it'd be helpful to to really understand where our traditions lie and yeah. and kind of where we can go from here. Yeah. That's good. That's good. So, uh, and I think it's important for for people to understand that you know we're we're really uh, regardless of where you're at on that spectrum, that it's still a very healthy and important conversation to have about uh, propelling women into ministry and into mm. leadership. That regardless of where you're at, that everybody needs to be at this point in time uh, more uh, uh, intent on seeing women grow in their gifts. Because the reality is that I don't think anybody would deny this that for a long time in the evangelical church at least that there has been a stifling of women in mm-hmm. in all capacities mm-hmm. and so i think we all can agree that we want to see women um uh, uh you know serve more in their gifts and in their calling so mm-hmm. with that in mind let's let's go back to the original question hypothetical girl comes to you uh calling toward ministry and you know let's put her in that uh complementarian camp where you know she she came from a church like you and i right we grew up mm-hmm. long kind of traditional complementarian even though they wouldn't have the vocabulary for that. That probably be where they land. How how can you encourage her within that stream to practice some gifts? What if her what if her gift was teaching? What if her gift was leadership? Um, how what are some creative ways, innovative ways for you to help her, or would you help her um, in growing into those gifts? Mm. Yeah, I think you know as as we look at these kinds of situations again, we're not wanting to be completely provocative and, you know, trying to raise up uh, issues within the church. I think, um, you know, Paul tells us in Romans that uh, as long as it's up to us, be at peace with everyone. Mm -hmm. And so I wouldn't say ruffle feathers for the sake of ruffling feathers, you know. Um, Don't don't cause issues in the church just to say, hey, I'm here, give me something to do. Um, But I would say seek out the leadership within the church and... and, um, Begin to to express, you know, your desire to, to use your gifts. Um, so if it is to teach, you know, find spaces that you can teach and that the church is comfortable for you to do. Um, I think a lot of times we want to be heard and a lot of times we want to to voice our desires um, without concern of, of other individuals and without mm-hmm. concern of other parties. And so when we do that... Um, things become very offensive and defensive very quickly. But if we come to the conversation with an understanding of, like, I understand that our church is at this point, uh, and and I've seen this in our leadership so far, um, but I want to bring it up to you that, you know, we, I have these 
giftings that have been affirmed in me, mm-hmm. you know, by other leaders within the church as well. And and I'd like to to begin using these things to help the church grow, to help benefit the body that we have here. Mm. Um, and I think just having those beginning conversations can be very um, helpful, mm-hmm. um, both because you know, sometimes our leaders aren't even aware, yeah. um, you know, that these kinds of giftings are found within their church. Yeah. Um, uh, because the conversations feel like they can't be had. Yeah. Yeah. But as we begin to have these conversations, it's very helpful to to bring it up to the leadership and say, hey, you know, the Lord's gifted me this way. Other people have seen this, and I, I want to do my my part in in serving this body. Yeah, that's good. So you approach your leadership, honor the kind of polity and the tradition of the church. Uh, and with humility, approach them with uh, with kind of this desire, right? That's I, I love that. What about you, Mylan? What would you? What have you done? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing has been surrounding myself with the like you said, like with leadership, um, and saying and asking them, what do you see my giftings are? Because I think as leaders, intuitively, when they call something out of you almost the responsibility of calling out your giftings is to provide a space for you to exercise Mm -hmm. that, you know? And so Mm -hmm. I think um, what's helped me most is having men in the church actually vouch for me. Mm -hmm. Um, That's been huge because I think when you have, and and not to downplay the voice of women, because definitely not, but if I have a ton of my girlfriends saying, you're great at this, right? It almost carries no weight in the church sometimes because it sounds like a bunch of feminists, like, you know, just complaining or something. But Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing for me has been the male leadership um, at my church saying, hey, these are your giftings. And if and when we can find an appropriate time for you to exercise it, you bet we will, you know. Mm-hmm. And there have been times where they've said no, and that totally didn't offend me because I knew that they were trying, they were discerning, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's made the biggest difference. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's really good. I, I mean, Myla, you, when you were at uh, COA or City on a Hill in Detroit, um, mm-hmm. and you were with Pastor Tua and, uh, you know, pretty significantly helping him, um, you know, what was, what was that dynamic like? Um, what was his mentorship over you like? Um, you know, talk a little bit about that relationship. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I think he just felt like he was very shepherding, I think, in the way that he affirmed my giftings, um, even in small things. Like if he read an article about like, teaching practices he would send it to Mm. me you know and Mm -hmm. the little things like that where I didn't need him to drag me on stage to feel affirmed as a woman in ministry but it was knowing he was thinking about me um speaking into my life you know Mm -hmm. um and Nasifu Susan she was always right there alongside him if I got if I went home for a break or something we would grab a meal together the three of us just so the both of them could speak into my life Mm -hmm. um and when I was at City on a Hill being on the governing board and being the only woman, I, I told them oftentimes this is a big insecurity for me, like being the only girl and walking in this room with all these men, married men, you know, yeah. and me as a yeah. single woman. But um, even in those things, them saying we specifically want you in here because it's a different perspective and we need that as men in making decisions for the church, you know. And so mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is in the little things, but especially with Pastor Tua, um, 
yeah, whenever he found an opportunity, he would kind of send it over or kind of vouch for me. And there have been t- and there have been times where he vouched for me, and I was able to um, kind of practice in teaching. And he got in trouble, you mm. know. But he took it, mm. you know. And he mm-hmm. was like, "This is my call. This was my discernment. Like, don't even be offended by it, you know." And wow. so that mm. even meant a lot to me too. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, I think. You know, when you're being mentored, it doesn't matter, you know, male or female, but when you're being mentored by somebody else and they take some heat for it, I think yeah. that, that shows a lot about their belief in you and their trust in you. And that really is the kind of leader that you want to come behind to mm-hmm. mentor you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's really cool. Pat, I've always said Pastor Tua was like, you know, my number one church planner, uh, <laughs> yeah, favorite church planner in the United States. So uh, yeah. He's great. You, you're you're super blessed to be with him. Oh, yeah. And a Trinity grad, yeah. I should add. Yeah. Another <laughs> Here tr- before I was, but yeah, though. I wish, you know. You know, we, we, we would benefit from more Hmong people here. Trinity, Trinity. needs to pay you. You're, recru- so, you're doing heavy recruiting today. You know. <laughs> <laughs> they need to reduce our tuition. Yes, That's what they yes, need they do. do. But hey, if the Lord wants you here, guys, there's a way, yes. all right? He'll make a way. Just, But just to let you know, it's 795 for PhD credit. <laughs> just to let you it's know. It's only 650 okay. for, for master's degrees. For master's. Only, only. Yeah. So let's change it a little bit here now, uh, and and that focus on just like church. But let's talk about Hmong culture. Mm-hmm. Um, what about Hmong culture? Do you think um, you know has complicated uh, the idea of women being in a ministry and leadership? So let's not talk about you know because there's a lot of very important passages about women um, in the Bible. Uh, you know, First Corinthians fourteen, First uh, Timothy chapter two, very important ones that uh, you know we we could discuss. But I mean, let's talk about just the cultural aspects of Hmong. You know, because that's changing. We're American. We're kind of Hmong Americans now. So, mm-hmm. what about the Hmong culture? Do you think has limited women, and what do you think needs to change? And then, what do you think is good actually that you know could stay? So, thoughts around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think as you know, I look at. Hmong women uh, in America today, um, there's been, at least from my perspective, uh, an understanding that, um, and, and you know, this is kudos to my parents, kudos to my dad, um, but he's always held my mom in highest regard, mm-hmm. and he's always held women in highest regard, um, and a lot of that is, you know, due to fighting against the, I think, what the traditional culture would be as to like men are the breadwinners mm-hmm. men are the ones who make decisions in the household um, men who men are the ones who you know when when a push comes to shove the man make, like the man decides um, and and it can be very patriarchal in um, the Hmong culture mm-hmm. um, but my dad you know really helped me understand that no like women are to be respected there's no one like your mom and there will never be anyone like your mom. Mm-hmm. Love her, care for her, take care of her. But beyond that, like women, uh, even my wife, you know, when my, my when my dad ever talks about my wife, he's like, take care of your wife, you know. And there's there's tons of biblical things about, you know, loving the wife, your, your wife as, as Christ loved the church. But there's she's also a testimony to, to how you live, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And so if you're if you're caring and loving your wife well, um, and honoring her well, like uh, the rest of the world will see that, you know, yeah. and it's a testimony. And so um, I've grown up with this kind of mentality of, you know, how 
how to to lift women up, um, but I think that's very countercultural yeah. to to what most people might have experienced. And so um, it's it's difficult for me to kind of speak into this, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, you know, there there's always two sides to the coin. And yeah. so I think on that other side is um, understanding that uh, you know we I don't think the goal is to ever you know oppress our women. Um, although sometimes in a patriarchal situation and culture, it, it may seem that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are hints here and there of honoring our women because we understand what they do for the household, because mm-hmm. we understand what they do you know, for us as, as husbands or as fathers and things like that. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Milo, what about you? What are some things about Hmong culture you've observed? I mean, I think the cool thing is you're seeing Hmong women kind of rise up in medicine in Mm, politics mm -hmm. in law like the first Hmong woman judge like the Mm -hmm. Hmong mayor like my Mm -hmm. mom being a physician and um I think in that you never really feel a tension of oh she's a Hmong woman why is Mm -hmm. she up there you know Mm -hmm. but there's the celebration of the Hmong people that all the men and the women are like yes you know Mm -hmm. like super proud you know like even like Gran Torino there's this unity of celebration because the Hmong it's not among women rising it's the Hmong people rising up Mm -hmm. you know and I think that's the beauty that I've seen right now in the culture is Hmong or like male or female like whoever is kind of rising up for the Hmong people there's a unity in that celebration Mm -hmm. um I would say something that is hard is um because it's such a patriarchal kind of culture I think that is shifting a lot and I think I told you guys the story of when I went to college and it was time to eat like I would never go first I'm like that's Mm -hmm. super weird Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that you know or I would never sit in the passenger seat like I shouldn't do that you know but Mm -hmm. realizing even in the little things where uh, we tend to kind of sit back and count ourselves as less um, kind of the Hmong culture shifting in that where no like you you can eat with us or you can mm-hmm. go first actually yeah. you know mm-hmm. and so being able to see changes in that as well yeah that's great yeah. as you guys are sharing that I uh, something comes to mind that I think is important to distinguish um, and that's that um, you you can be in a patriarchal um, culture and still practice, very unbiblical, um, you know, uh, lifestyle where mm-hmm. a very unbiblical, uh, even a very unbiblical church polity, even in a very patriarchal society. Uh, but you can be in a, a, a less patriarchal or maybe even kind of a, you know, I don't know what the, the word is for, it's not matriarchal because that's women, but <laughs> kind of more, I guess, you know, equal society. Uh, let's say like the American society right here mm-hmm. uh, and still practice a very, um, biblical model of church governing uh and and family and still not be patriarchal you know so i think that's very important for Mm -hmm. us to distinguish that you can have a biblical uh worldview about how to lead the church lead your family and not be patriarchal you know because we're seeing that happen in america and i actually think that's a that's a huge witness when we can do that as a church when we can Mm -hmm. show Hmong people that hey you know in a non-patriarchal society we still have order we still have you know honor we still have respect and, um, you know, I think that validates to them that we haven't lost, you know, uh, an honor-based culture mm-hmm. and that, you know, actually the Bible is a better honor-based culture, yeah. you know, yeah. and I think that's probably what's at risk, and which kind of leads me to our last question, um, and that is, um, um, 
you know, what do you think, um, uh, and I'm going to ask um, George first, you know, what, what do you think would happen if we, if we keep minimizing women or we don't put them, you know, we don't propel them or we don't uh, give them, you know, a fair opportunity to live out their gifts? You know, what, what do you think would happen and where do you think women can actually uh, excel? Yeah, um, that's a that's a hard question to ask. Just because uh, in in our reality today, you know, we're we're facing these things. I mean, it's it's 2018 now, you know. <laughs> yeah. And um, you know, the culture shifts uh, as as Hmong Americans, our culture is starting to shift just as quickly as um, the American culture itself shifts, and so. Um, I think it's it's very uh, pressing to to understand that you know kind of what Milo was bringing up earlier is you start to see these women in in the secular world uh, rise up and they're they're doing more. You're you're seeing them step into places of authority, um, and I think part of that is speaking to the Hmong culture of mm-hmm. you know and and. Earlier, I didn't want to to downplay at all that that women in the Hmong culture have faced a lot of oppression, have faced a lot of you know, take the back seat, you know, um, be as quiet as you can be, mm-hmm. um, you know, until you know someone says that you can speak. You know, I I have heard tons of you know testimonies of of other sisters, Hmong sisters who who have struggled with that, um, and so I don't want to downplay that at all. But I think as we look at where the church is going, where um, you know, where our women in the church are going, um, if they can't do it in the church, they're going to take it elsewhere because mm. they know their giftings. You know, they they can find affirmation in their giftings. And if they're not allowed to practice and edify the body, they're going to take it elsewhere and, and do what they can um, outside of it. Um, and, and it almost sounds like a situation where like, oh, well, then they're acting out of resentment and that's not, you know, that's not a holy place to be, <laughs> yeah. you know. But we as the church have to shepherd that. We as the church have to to care for them well and, and um, lift them up well in, in situations where if we're, if we're keeping them, you know, in the backseat, um, you know, we have to understand that they're going to become frustrated. And mm-hmm. that uh, I think what we're seeing now, even in second gen, um, and, and as the third gen rises up, uh, church doesn't seem like it's for them anymore. You know, we, mm-hmm. I think uh, a number of Hmong sisters that I've talked to, you know, when I catch up with them, it's like, hey, what are you doing at church? Like, where are you attending now? I'm, I'm not going to church, you know. And, and for me, that's heartbreaking because, you know, these are sisters that I, I grew up with. These are mm-hmm. sisters who, who I know love the Lord. Who, who have giftings to serve in a church, but they've just grown so tired mm-hmm. and weary of saying, well, I don't have a husband, so I have no voice in the church. Or, mm-hmm. um, you know, all I'm allowed to do is teach Sunday school for sixth graders. And beyond that, you know, it's mm-hmm. a maybe, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I think as the church, we have to begin understanding that um, their giftings, you know, we're, we're stifling, we're quench, uh, quenching? The Holy Spirit, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when when it comes to how we um, utilize, how we empower the women in our church um, churches to to do ministry, yeah. um, and so we have to be very careful about that because um, one, our testimony is no longer you know that of of love, 
Um, you know, our, if our sisters aren't feeling loved, then you know the world won't know us by by that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, and and beyond that, um, it's like telling. It's like the eye telling the foot, I don't need you, Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, and Paul warns against that. And so yeah. we really have to, to be mindful of the whole body and the whole experience that, that we're going through. Yeah, yeah. Myla, I'm going to give you the last word. So what are your last thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I guess just to keep it simple, like um, in the bigger picture, like if you ever if you're ever stifling one thing in the church, I think you risk missing out on what God is doing or what God can do, right? Mm. Whether it's women, whether it's the apostles in your church, whether it's the children, like Mm -hmm. anything you stifle, you risk the fullness of what the body of Mm. Christ can look like. And I think that's just a shame. Like I want to see fully what God is doing. I want to be on board, so I don't want to stifle anything. Um, So I think it's paying attention to God, what are you doing and how can we best kind of exercise that or give people a space where they can – be fully who they are so that the church can be fully who it should become, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. That was that was great. Very wise, Myla. Mm-hmm. Well, we're, we'll end it there. And I'd like to pray. I'd like to pray over this episode and pray for, uh, even for the sisters out there listening to this conversation, that they'd be encouraged and that um, the body of Christ would know how to support each other in this way. So let's yeah. pray. God, thank you for uh, this opportunity to talk about um you know, a complete half uh, of the church. And um, Lord, we repent for the times in the past where we've contributed and been complicit in um, in stifling and minimizing um, this half of the body. And so, Lord, would you uh, show us um, how to move forward um, as a people? Um, Lord, uh, I'm reminded that it's not the culture of the Hmong people or the culture of America that should dictate uh, how we uh, decide who operates and who leads, but it's the culture of heaven mm-hmm. that uh, leads us. And so, God, give us a heavenly, uh, a post-resurrection uh, view, uh, a, a Jesus-returning view of how to uphold one another and to encourage one another in ministry and in leadership. Mm-hmm. And, Lord, I just pray for, especially for the sisters out there who, God, you've put a call in their life, and that call may be to... Uh, be in full-time ministry, or that call may be to be a full-time homemaker. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whatever that call is, Lord, that you would infuse it, because all of it is spiritual and all Mm -hmm. of it is kingdom. And God, I pray for um, the the stereotypes, uh, anything that is not of your word, anything that's not of your spirit, that those would be melted away, that those would uh, not be distractions in the Hmong church, and that, God, that we would develop um, a biblical kingdom vision of what it means to serve you and to move your mission forward here in North America and all around the world. So Mm -hmm. thank you, God. Uh, And I pray that you would inspire somebody through this uh, episode. And we pray these things to the glory of your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. Myla, George, and myself will be back again with another discussion about Hmong American identity, theology, and mission. Uh, But can you do us a favor? Can you share the Yesu Communitas podcast with your friends? And then also remember to like today's show, uh, share it out on Facebook, and then subscribe to Yesu Communitas on iTunes. All right, see you in the next episode.